0: Go to CloudOptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's CloudOptimizer.com.
1: With Lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.
0: This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky.
1: Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky?
2: Welcome back, Tiger fans, to Rockin' Nation's football podcast. I'm Nate Edwards. That's Brandon BK Kylie. This is Before the Box Score. We're not in the transfer portal. We're still here, baby. Lane <laughs> ain't going nowhere, unlike half the Missouri uh, basketball team, but uh, we are still here. Uh, BK, how's it going, man?
1: I'm doing well. How are you doing today, Nate?
2: Well, I'm doing good. I'm very excited that uh, the sport that we cover does not have nearly – the amount of turnover that college basketball is going through. Um, I We are not the basketball podcast. Y'all know that. That's why you're listening to us. I will say, uh, based off of what I've been following, uh, here and there on the Twitter machine, talking to Sam and Matt, I know there's a lot of transfers. I know it seems like the sky is falling. But five of those transfers were seniors. The others were not going to be playing. And look around the college basketball uh, world right now. And teams are losing up where it's like five to seven guys in the transfer portal. So if y'all are freaking out, allow the football podcast to tell you, Pat, Pat, it's okay.
1: Well, uh, allow Nate to tell you that. I <laughs> I'm a, I'm a little more pessimistic than Nate is on this. I think that there is legitimate reason to be a little concerned about what next year's team is gonna look like because I think as of today they have three returning players, and that could go down to two eventually. I would prefer to have a little bit of continuity on the roster, but hey, you know, Frank Haith has made a career out of it, so what the hell, let's (laughs) let's give it a shot, why not?
2: Look, if you have to hard reset your roster with five incoming freshmen, the best time to do it is in the season where the most kids hit the transfer portal of all time, and every team is basically starting over. So I know it's not a great look. Guys, it's not a great look for anybody uh in the college basketball world right now. So who knows? Uh we'll we'll figure it out. Sam, Matt, everyone's got you covered. Josh is gonna have you covered. I'm sure Karen has plenty of thoughts that she'll share as well. Um it's just it's a very interesting time to follow the basketball team. It's just kind of unprecedented. Uh we talked about, you know, Missouri football recruiting in this past season during COVID as unprecedented as far as recruiting goes. Uh, we're seeing some transfers from foot from football as well. It's just this is what happens when you get the weirdest Schedule ever in the weirdest year ever, uh, and kids need to to find a place. And you got this rule. Uh, I don't know if it stays or not, but if this one-time transfer for free rule is is in place, by by all means, football players, basketball players, take advantage of it and find the place that you're going to fit. Man,
1: that makes sense. By the way, Nate, ha- has it been officially confirmed? Like, it, is it is it officially official yet that they get the immediate eligibility?
2: I have not seen like like the Kai the in the row in the sky, like the, the, the messaging coming down from God saying it is official. But everybody I see talk about this cites right. that rule as, yes, go ahead and take advantage of it. So I'm assuming, I know I'm kind of plugged out right now, but I am assuming that it is good. If I am wrong, shame on me, but everyone certainly seems to be acting like it's in place, so I'm going to believe it's true.
1: Okay. It, it appears that it is. NCAA transfer athletes granted an immediate eligibility this year. So it's a one-time proposal. It was granted in December. So it looks like this should be good to go. I I must have missed that because r- it was literally the week before Christmas. There you go. So that must have been one of those uh, news dump things that I just missed. <laughs> I'm happy to see that they officially made it official.
2: Me too. Me too. And honestly, I mean... I don't want to speak for you, BK, so you can correct me if I'm being naughty, but this rule should be in place forever. And not not like you can transfer as many times as you want for free, but like every kid should have one transfer without a sit Agreed. penalty um, at a minimum. You, if you want to talk beyond that, maybe I won't listen as well. But um, sometimes these things happen. Maybe you get recruited really, really well. Uh, and you show up and it's not what you think. Maybe they sold you a bag of goods that they can't deliver. Maybe, maybe it was a literal bag of McDonald's that you did, that you got. Well, (laughs) not here. Um, you know, especially for the COVID kids, they haven't been on campus. They haven't seen these guys in person, uh, for college coaches. They haven't seen these guys play, uh, in person. They haven't seen them in person and they get on campus and go, Oh, damn you're not as good as I thought I was like these sorts of things happen it's not bad for a coaching staff or a player to say hey maybe this isn't the place for me and giving them that out giving them that one-time transfer for free rule is is it's good for everybody it frees up a roster spot on a team that doesn't want him anymore and it gives the kid a chance to find a new start where where he's going to be he's going to feel wanted and he's going to feel good
1: yeah, I've got no issues with it. I I don't think that it should be a blanket anytime you transfer, get out of jail free card. But if you want to do a one-time transfer, I, I've got no issue with that, especially right now. But frankly, I, I don't even need to use the blanket, the cloak of 2020 and the pandemic or anything like that. Like I, I'm perfectly fine with this just being a rule moving forward. If you transfer once, you get immediate eligibility. If you start doing it two, three times, okay, now we're going to have to let you sit out a year because you've done it multiple times. You had your get-out-of-jail-free, and uh, now you gotta, you got to spend a little bit of time. You spend that one year as an un- ineligible player, but then the following year, you, you can get back on the field. I, I'm okay with that, honestly. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I agree. So, it's a crazy time to be covering the college sports, but here we are. It's a crazy time just in general. Um speaking of transfers or just losing roster spots. Uh we do have some news on the uh scholarship math front. Um gosh, it was like 2 weeks ago. I think it might have been the day after we recorded. Um but Mike Ruth, offensive lineman Mike Ruth uh decided to no longer play football for Missouri. It kind of sounded like he wasn't going to be playing Missouri or like playing football at all, not just at Missouri. Um I don't know if he entered the transfer portal or not. But, I mean, if you take a look at the offensive line uh, lineup, if you will, uh, there seems to be kind of five probable starters, certainly seven guys who are going to see the field next year, a bunch of freshmen coming in, and Ruth didn't see the field a lot last year. And I don't know if it was just writing on the wall or like, Heart wasn't in it or or he's just looking for somewhere else, but he's not part of the team anymore. Uh so that is that is down one scholarship th- spot. Uh BK, other than the fact that you wish the kid well and we we are gonna be okay. Any other thoughts outside of that?
1: Not really. Um he was he was a three star kid out of the Dallas area. Just He ended up getting recruited over. I mean, you look right now at kind of some of the guys that project to play in that spot at tackle, and it just seems like they prefer other players. Connor Tolleson, somebody that they brought in, I I would imagine is going to be over him eventually. So, uh, Javon Foster looks like he's going to be up there on the depth chart. Bobby Lawrence is up there. I just... I don't think there was a clear path to playing for Mike Ruth and more power to him. If he wants to go in another direction, like you said, all the best, wish him the best moving forward. But I just, I don't think it was going to work out here at Mizzou. And sometimes that happens. Like we said, with the transfer thing, you know, it's, uh, it doesn't mean that there was anything malicious here on one side or the other. Sometimes a kid just decides whether it be playing football isn't for him. Maybe his body. I don't know if he. There are injuries that are taking place here. I, I don't know. I don't know what the situation is for him. Everybody's a little bit different, but I wish him all the best in whatever's coming next. And uh, I'm. It's unfortunate that it didn't work out at Mizzou.
2: Yeah. Yeah, that's okay. I hope he's doing. I hope he's well. I hope this isn't yeah. you know something big, big issue that we don't know about. But, um, yeah, Coppell, Texas. Um, he was he was here for uh, three years, and he just didn't really see the field all that much. Uh, played in five games, not a whole lot of snaps to his name. So uh, he was a big kid, 6'7", 320, but uh, just can not see the field. So, uh, yeah, best of luck, man. Now, as as these things turn, and, you know, we are going to just kind of move on to the next one, uh, we did have some good news on the recruiting front um, earlier this week, last week, I don't last know. Week, time yeah. <laughs> time is a construct that I don't participate in. Um, yeah, we got a a new recruit signing. Uh, his name is Armon Mimbu. He is from Lee Summit, Stand Up, Kansas City, uh Lee Summit North. Which one did you go to, BK? I
1: went Were to you? Blue Springs.
2: You went to Blue Springs. Mm-hmm. Okay, I can never remember. But Drew Locke went to Lee Summit. Correct. Right? Lee Summit OG. Okay. Lee Summit Heavy. Um but yeah Armon is 6'4 290 he's a 5.73 star guard 18th best guard in the country apparently 14th best uh 14th best player in the state of Missouri and he is committed to Mizzou. Uh BK you you wrote a piece about him and and kind of the offensive line that that Eli Drinkwitz has been recruiting. What are your What are your immediate thoughts on on this kid signing with the Tigers?
1: So let's start with him, right? Okay, let's go with his background a little bit because I I read a few pieces on him, tried to find as much information as I could about Membu, and I hope I'm pronouncing that correct. It's M-E-M-B-O-U. I apologize if we're mispronouncing that. But um, what I could find is basically he was a very late bloomer in football terms. He didn't start playing football until eighth grade. He told reporters that he quote, wasn't very good early on in his football career, (laughs) uh, which is backed up by the fact that he made the B team. He was not even an A team player in, uh, in middle school. He got to Lee summit North, continued playing, but he was on the JV until his junior year, which was this last football season. He made the varsity as a junior, and he's basically been on a rocket ship in terms of his recruiting, uh, status ever since, like you said. He went from being on the junior varsity as a sophomore to being the 18th graded uh, offensive guard in the country as a junior. Think about that for a second. He wasn't even a top two, three, four guard at his school a year and a half ago, and now he's considered to be a top 20 guard in the country, which is quite the come up for him. Um, it, it's a really, really big get for Mazoo because we'll talk about this a little bit more expansively Uh, in a moment, but it's the in-state recruiting that we've talked so much about. And really, it goes back to the offensive line direction that it seems like Eli Drinkwitz is going. I remember in the Gary Pinkle era, one of the things that he did, and you saw this with Justin Britt, uh, you saw it to a degree with guys like Mitch Morse. He really loved the kind of smaller but big-framed, offensive linemen that are really athletic they're going to fill out by their junior year and you're going to have a really athletic really strong offensive line by their junior years but it's going to take some time to get them there in the strength and conditioning program uh mizzou's going in a different direction i think it is fair to say with their offensive <laughs> line prospects i will give you a brief status of the last six offensive linemen that they've had commit okay nate okay Six-five-three-zero-five. 6'3, 285, 6'8, 275, 6'5, 295, 6'3, 325. And if you look at our guy Armand Mimbu, 6'4, 290 pounds. These are not small individuals. They are coming to Mizzou with SEC size, and then they're just rounding into form with the specific way that they want them to hold that weight. But this is kind of where they want them to be throughout their uh, college football career. I think there's something to that. I don't think that's a nothing burger. And I think we're starting to see Eli Drinkwitz. You can say goodbye to the old tight ends that convert to tackle. This is more like offensive tackles that are already ready to go SEC size that he wants.
2: I know. I have to shake that thought myself. Uh, when I saw him sign, I was like, oh, he could probably play you know, guard or maybe right tackle. And then I looked at our tackle roster and went, oh, my God, no, 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 no. I mean, the shortest tackle we have right now is Zeke Powell. He's 6'5", 295. Yeah. Um, and, like, we've we've talked about this before. I know, like, Barry Odom and his staff just recruited the biggest guys, just recruited the biggest offensive linemen, skill be damned, and then threw them out there. Uh, now, part of that was for Josh Heupel's offense, right? You just kind of like the old Mike Leach saying you just need need guys to get in the way so that the pass can be <laughs> thrown in, like, one second. Um, so, you know, maybe they're a little dumpy, maybe they're a little stiff, but, uh, that, that's how Odom did it. And I was like, oh, well, you know, with, with Drinkwitz, you know, especially with kind of a more run oriented scheme, he's probably gonna be looking for a little bit more mobility, a little bit more nimbleness in the feet, uh, some quickness. And I, I assumed incorrectly that that would mean you'd get kind of some uh, some more fit guys, but no, God no. And, and maybe this is just a trend of offensive linemen in general. BK, maybe they're just they are being made at the high school level. They're just coming out six eight three forty. You know, they're just they're coming out with, with the full height and certainly full weight, um, and and they're just ready to go. So it's uh it's it's very interesting kind of seeing the evolution of offensive linemen recruiting, because let's let's go back 10 years. I know that, you know, Justin Britt was a a very low-rated recruit, but he was 6'5", 267. Mitch Morse, like you mentioned, he was 6'6", 282. So like, and Mitch Morse is not six six. By the way, he's like six four. Um, but yeah, to your point, like the weight was not there. The weight was gained when you got on campus. Now kids are just walking on campus at three twenty, three forty. That that's crazy. So I mean, as, as far as Mimbu goes, like he's probably not going to start from day one, but he's certainly got the the type, uh, the body type that Drinkwitz is looking for. And he's also got a really interesting background that you spoke about that might help him uh, succeed in the trenches early.
1: Yeah, so the other thing about him that's interesting is he he was a wrestler before he became a football player. And you see that with the way that he plays in a lot of ways. Now, there's one thing that he does that doesn't really fit his profile, but he's really strong. Like, it's not surprising based on his size, I suppose, that he's a strong guy, but you can see the way that he uses his strength, the functional strength. It it really is, it applies to him as a football player, I think, because of his wrestling background, and the other thing that you always hear from coaches is that they love guys that wrestle because it, it translates really well for football players, typically, whether it be... Um, your, basically your your ability to be flexible, um, your strength and conditioning throughout the off season, the motor I know is one thing that wrestlers have that coaches love. It's all of that stuff, right? Discipline. It's, it's all of these different things that go into it. The one thing he does need to work on, and I'm sure Mizzou is going to help him with this. When you watch him play on tape, he The first step, instead of being towards the defensive lineman or kicking back in his um, pass sets, it's typically standing right up, and that's not what you want to see, and in the SEC, it's going to be difficult for him to be able to beat some of these defensive tackles that are going up against him um, if he continues to do that. It's fixable. You can... uh, you can't change that over the course of a college career, but that's going to be the number one thing he needs to fix. But other than that, everything else, you can see the wrestling background in the way that he plays.
2: One of the biggest proponents for uh, football players should wrestle uh, that I've seen is, is Mr. Lucas Vincent, uh, the current Olathe West girls wrestling coach and former Mizzou defensive tackle. That guy knows what he's talking about. He was a wrestler in high school. He did very well at Bizzou. Uh an excellent defensive tackle for the 13 and 14 teams. Um, yeah, it's just it's a good skill to have. I always get super excited when I hear whatever flavor of lineman, offensive lineman, defensive lineman. When I hear that they have a wrestling background, I'm like, ooh, good, good. Uh, it just it, it makes my heart sing. That's what I always want to hear, especially from offensive linemen, but really any, any lineman. That is always a good thing. Pad level, how you play, yeah. That's why Marcus Johnson gets paid the big bucks Mm -hmm. to turn these kids and give them some good technique. So yeah. Also, he's not being brought in to start day one. Like that that's not gonna have to be the case. He's got time to season, uh, to figure out the college game and obviously still rock it in high school for the next uh for the rest of the calendar year. So uh yeah, very excited to get him on board. If you're looking at the scholarship divvying outness, that's a word I just made up. So far, we got five guys signed on the offensive side, only one on the defensive side, lone Mr. Blue Star or Blue Chip, four star Isaac Thompson. Uh, But we got Sam Horn, Mikai Miller, Jamarian Wayne, Max Wisner, and now Mr. Mimbu on the offensive side. So.
1: By the way, one, two, three, four of those guys are from in-state. One of them is from right on the other side of the state in Overland Park, Kansas. So he's. <laughs> this is this is the way things started last year with the in-state recruiting, and we were like, ah, "Is this, is this just a function of the pandemic?" And the answer, it, it appeared, was no. I guess we never really got the answer with any certainty because you know the pandemic didn't end. Um, but. <laughs> It, it, they all kind of stayed put, but Mizzou's doing it again. Eli Drinkwood's doing it again.
2: He really is. And this, this speaks to a, a piece I thoroughly enjoyed, not only you pitching, uh, but me f- furthering <laughs> reading and editing once you sent it in. Uh, talking about uh, in-state recruiting and what that means. I, we, we've we talked about it before kind of in broad terms. I know a lot of uh, Missouri fans, both old and young, talk about keeping the high school Missouri high school football talent in-state. And buddy, you just went ahead and tackled that full on. And so what what did you find about the success the success success, there we go, that Pinko had and the follies that Odom had.
1: So basically, I if you want to check out the piece, highly recommend it. It's over at Rock M Nation. I did a ton of research for this, put together all the numbers, crunched them all. You can see the full numbers on there, but I'll just kind of give the summary, the the one sheet on what I found. Gary Pinkle was really good at recruiting in-state, and what he did is probably the formula that other coaches need to follow. So what he did is basically he got half of the blue-chip talents, and I define blue-chip as basically four- or five-star players based on the Rivals database. Half of them committed to Mizzou in Gary Pinkle's era here at Mizzou. In terms of the three stars, so the guys that are pretty solid recruits, but they're not quite at that blue chip talent level. I didn't include two stars in this uh, in this research. The three star players, it was about one in three. So you've got to identify the right guys and you need them to commit to your program. That's kind of what it was for Gary Pinkle on average over the course of his 15 years at Mizzou. Half of the blue chips, about a third of the three star recruits ended up committing to Mizzou. It was not quite that amount of success under Barry Odom. He convinced about 20% of the blue chip talents to stay in state. And then when it came to the three star guys, it was 15% of them stayed in state in the Barry Odom era. It's basically gone back up in the Eli Drinkwitz era to the Gary Pinkle numbers. So the blue chip guys, it's super fluky because it's not very many players so far. And so that number is pretty low for Eli Drinkwitz. But if you're going, if you're tracking the three-star guys, he's right around that 30% rate that you saw from Gary Pinkle. So if that's all a bunch of mumbo-jumbo that you don't understand, here's what it is. Half of the blue chip guys, a third of the three-star guys, that's what you want to target on average for your coach to be able to say they quote unquote sealed the borders. It's not a hundred percent success rate. If They get about half of the big time guys and a third of the pretty good guys. That's where you want to be at for Mizzou.
2: I mean, it's, it's not getting every kid like that's, that's not the goal. It's and I, this is why I used to not like recruiting until Missouri got really good at it. But hmm. um I also, you also want to trust, the analysis of the coaches that are on staff. Mm -hmm. And we see rival sees, you know, 24, seven sees the composite sees something, but we hire these coaches and this coaching staff to get their type of guys. If you, if you, as a coaching staff, if you only recruited stars, you'd be fired. You, You wouldn't have a job. You'd just be putting plugging kids into a system where they may or may not work um so you kind of have to balance this out and say look yeah you want as many kids as you want but you also want to make sure it's the kids that that the staff actually wants and you got to trust that what they're looking for you know you got to trust them whether it's a, a three-star or four-star because i mean bk what what's the difference between a five point seven three star and a five point eight four star what's the difference
1: typically it, there is like a a, a a one talent whether that be a size a speed um whatever that is kind of a trump card that typically ends up being the difference yeah. but i mean it's yeah is it is it significant in the grand scheme of things maybe not
2: it's it's a couple of inches on a quarterback thank chase daniel it's a couple of, a couple maybe 10 20 pounds on an offensive lineman it's maybe your you know your your. Your route cutting speed as a receiver, your hands as a tight end—little things, little things that make the difference. If you can coach enough of that, or coach around height or weight or whatever, like that's still a good quality player. And that's something that I think a lot of fans can can miss when when they're looking at uh, recruiting sites and who your guys are going, who your who your staff is going after. But let's look let's look at the current crop. Okay, let's just take for example the two thousand twenty two Missouri high school recruiting class. Uh, you got Luther, well, Luther Burden's now at East St. Louis playing there, but maybe we're in the mix, maybe not, but whatever. Um, the guys who I know have committable offers is Kevin Coleman, five-star, not coming here, <laughs> Tyson Ford, who's at Notre Dame, Isaac Thompson, who we got, Toriano Pride, who I think we're in pretty good standing with, uh, Dominique Orange, Marquise Graciel, uh, DJ Westleck, who will be going up against Alabama, but that's okay, um, who else do we have? We got Armand Mimbo. without who you just committed, um, Kay and Roberts day, who's currently committed to Baylor. Who's talking to Mizzou a lot. Uh, Max Wisner, who's with us, Tristan Wilson. Apparently Mizzou good there. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's, that's a good group of guys. That's, that's two who are already committed somewhere else, but Mizzou's kind of sticking with these guys. And these are, this is the top 25 in the state and of the ones that they have sent scholarship offers to they're in really good standing. So again, they're not going to get all of them. But you got to go after some of them. <laughs> and it looks like they're in good standing which, you know, whether that's working with the high school coaches or just making an effort or just being present, I don't know what it is, maybe having a good program, that that's also part of it, but definitely. Um they got something to pitch and they're and they're pitching it to the in-state kids and it's it's working so far. At least yeah. they're in the conversation, which is Way better than what Odom was doing.
1: It seems like out of the top seven guys in the state, and those are all the four stars. There's a really good chance that Mizzou gets four of them. That's what we're talking about. Like that, yeah. that, that is the way that you end up having success over a long term as a program. That is how you set yourself up for sustainability. In other words, and if you look at the three stars, it's not just about like you don't have to get. So, for example, going back to this class, right? the number eight through 15 player in the state because those aren't even necessarily like you said the eighth through the 15th best players in the state that's just according to rivals mizzou might see it completely differently they might hate sports hate the number 12 player in the state they might think he's not worthy of coming to mizzou and if that's the case they shouldn't offer him just because he's rated by rivals as the number 12 player in the state as a three-star player They should instead, maybe they like the number 27 player in the state significantly better, and they think he projects better to fit what they do offensively. Well, then offer that kid, and go get him. It's not about, like, specifically what Rivals rates them as, but over the long haul, the guys that Rivals rates as four- and five-star players, again, over the long haul, end up being better than the guys that they rate as three-stars or two-star players. It's about the percentage. You're playing the percentages here, and that's that's kind of how you have to look at this is if you do well enough over time with those really good players, that's how you end up building a better program.
2: And it's also just a competence of management. You know, I talked about um, in my Midwest quarterback piece, um, like coaches, a lot of coaches kind of draw a 200-mile circle from their campus and say, okay. <clears throat> this this is the most cost efficient way we can recruit. So like if you're in Florida, perfect. If you're in Texas, awesome. If you're in Nebraska, ugh, You kind of have to make some you gotta make a couple trips. gotta get your frequent flyer miles rocking there. Missouri benefits from having St. Louis, and Kansas City uh, within that 200 mile radius. And it is really important that a program like Missouri take advantage of their natural resources. The ones that you know can drive to campus in two hours, hang out for the day, you know, late afternoon, get home late, eight, nine, ten o'clock at night. That's a successful, easy recruiting trip, both for the kids and for the staff. So, when a staff can prioritize something like that and utilize their resources effectively by using the talent that's nearby, especially when that talent's pretty good, that tells me that you know what you're doing. If you look at Barry Odom, and I know that I defended him on a lot of things. A lot of things. I am still happy that he's gone. It's okay. I can I can I can be wrong sometimes. But one of the crazier things about Odom was that when he first started recruiting, what was that 2016, right? It was like, Oh, he's going back to Texas. That's great. We're getting out of Georgia. We're getting out of Florida, places that we didn't find all those great recruits that that Pinkle kind of tried to make happen at the end of his tenure. He's getting back to the roots. He's getting back to Texas. That's awesome. And then he started going other places. It's like, ah, you're going after Texas still. And you're going after Georgia. And you're going after Arkansas. And you're going after Oklahoma and Michigan and New York. We just got a tight in from New York. Like, hmm. it just seemed like, yes, he was prioritizing Texas, but he wasn't prioritizing Missouri either well enough or didn't have the relationships to even have a shot at those Missouri kids. And it just felt like, from a recruiting standpoint, they were just getting the kids they could get wherever they were. That's why we ended up in Indiana and Michigan and Illinois and Arkansas and Florida and Georgia and South Carolina and North Carolina. And to their credit, Larry Roundtree, North Carolina, Trajan Jeffcoat, South Carolina, like, Akil Byers, Arkansas, a lot of Arkansas guys. Um, Like, Demaria Crockett was from Arkansas. Like, some of these worked. But it didn't seem like there was a cohesive recruiting plan in so much of, well, let's just talk to the guys who want to talk to us. And that is okay, but it doesn't speak a lot to what the coaching staff feels like they're pitching, and I felt like that came across at least in the recruiting trail.
1: There's also a ceiling to it, right? If you look at the players that they got on campus, and as much as I like a lot of them, they were kind of tapped out. And you asked me earlier, you know, what's the difference between a three and a four star recruit at that, especially at that 5.7 three star versus 5.8 four star. And maybe that's kind of that's at the the margin that is a little different. But if we're talking about some of these guys who were like 5.5 three stars, right, versus the five eight four stars, well, sometimes the difference is those three stars are kind of tapped out. You see what they're going to be whenever they get to college, and there's really not a whole lot of room for growth. Meanwhile, guys like, if you go down to uh, this, this current class, right, Toriano Pride, he's a 5'11", a buck 85 cornerback out of Lutheran North, who's super athletic, and if he gets some good coaching in college, could be special. Well, that's why he's a four-star recruit. Isaac Thompson, a four-star recruit because he's a 6'2", 290 pounds safety now. By the time he leaves, that guy might be 6'3", and 215. That is a massive safety. If he stays with his athleticism currently, like that is a special player. Tyson Ford, defensive end out of John Burroughs. Now he's committed to Notre Dame. He's currently 6'6", 250 pounds, and he is super athletic. He's going to get to college. He's going to end up being 6'6", 275. And that's a frame of a 3'4", D.N. You can kick him inside on certain downs. Like that's how you end up with these guys that not only are already good players, but also have a ceiling to what they can be, and that's the difference. That's why you have to get these guys in-state, because you're not going down to Georgia or Texas or, as you said, New York, and pulling out these four- and five-star recruits from those places. You're going there for the three-star, the two-star, under-the-radar guys, and maybe they hit. But it's just it's so much less often, and the ceiling that you get from a guy like that is so much lower. Yeah.
2: (sighs) It it's um, yeah. I I just we are still sipping the drinkwoods Kool Aid over here. So like the the man can do no wrong. He can even sing. Did you hear him sing, BK? Well, I can did. I did tune.
1: Um, I I heard mixed reviews on it. <laughs> I
2: look singing is like eighty percent effort. There there's the pitch matching too. But like if you got the cojones to get out there and just give it some air and and belt it out, like I respect that. So anyway, we love. Coach Drinkwitz, and that's because he hasn't done anything super wrong so far. Um, But I say that because it's going to color how we view these things, obviously. But still, it just seems like he has a better plan. He's getting after it more. He's shooting his shot on a couple of big, big recruits, and he's landing them. And he's just connecting better with a lot of these kids. So we, we are in good recruiting hands right now. Uh, tip of the cap to Casey Woods and Drinkwitz and that entire staff that is just recruiting their butts off. Um, I'm excited to see what else we can get with Missouri kids. Uh, I know a lot of people really like that sort of thing when Missouri high school stars join Missouri at, at the at the college level. It is a fun story, um, but you want the best kids that that the staff can get, and they also happen to live in Missouri. So. Uh, it's pretty cool right now. I'm excited to see what recruiting can do in the next couple of years. Uh, but yeah, we got this class to finish out. I'm sitting well with a lot of cool guys, uh, cool guys that a lot of other people want, including mm-hmm. Alabama. Um, yeah, I just we're not going to get Kevin Coleman. Stop talking about it. But <laughs> we can get you know Wesselac. We can get Pride. Uh, Dominique Orange would be great. I mean. I don't know, BK. It's 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 still weird to me to be excited about recruiting. How do you feel about
1: it? It's fantastic. It's it's absolutely great to be able to look at a a class. Remember the Tiger Ten? It was unrealistic. Yeah, yeah. And, and by the way, that class was it did not end up being anywhere near the hype that everybody thought no. it was going to be. Um, it, Mizzou probably got the second best of those guys, and Daniel Parker Jr.
2: <sighs> yeah, probably.
1: Um, uh, maybe crazy. third. Mario Goodrich is a good player as well, so probably the third best player out of that group. But, um, if you if you look back at that, like it, it was unlikely Mizzou was going to get three or four of those guys. It was it was just it was always unlikely. And now you look at it today. If that same class was in 2022, I would feel pretty good about Mizzou coming home with at least two or three of them, at a minimum. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think that's, that's the difference is you've got this gut feel where if it's a 50-50 proposition instead of in the past feeling like you're waiting for the other shoe to drop, now you're like, oh, I, I think he might end up coming to Mizzou. <laughs>
2: It'd be great. It would be great. I, I, yeah, I just – I think that's the difference. You start feeling confident about landing blue chips, and that's that's a very weird feeling to me. But I like it. It's a nice feeling. Um, so going from future stars into the present stars slash future NFL stars, Mizzou had itself a pro day. Um, I didn't pay a whole lot of attention to it. I know BK did, but uh, we're looking at Tyree Gillespie, Josh Bledsoe, uh, Larry Roundtree, and Larry Borum. And um, I, what, what were the reviews from from their pro day, BK? Anything good, bad, interesting?
1: So, yeah, uh, actually, the only guy I cannot find any numbers on Larry Borum other than the fact that he lost like 20 pounds. I I don't (laughs) know how he ran. I don't know what his jumps were. I have no idea. I know he ran. I watched a video of him running, but I cannot find the 40 time. So I got nothing for you there other than it looked like he was in good shape and he thinks he might go on day two, which is second or third round. I think he's probably a little more likely to go a little after that, but neither here nor there seems like it was a good day for Borum. I can't confirm or deny that for Nick Bolton. It was an interesting day. So, his forty time was fine. He ran a four a, a, a mid four five to a four He also had a thirty two inch vertical jump, which is not good. His three cone was seven four, which is not good. His short shuttle was four five, which is okay. Um, he also apparently did not look good in the coverage drills. So, it was kind of. Honestly, in some ways, what you would expect, running forward, really, really good. That dude is fast. (laughs) When it came to some of the explosiveness drills, though, not great, which kind of surprises me with the vert, but the biggest thing is his change of direction isn't very good, and I think that's going to hurt him. I think he's going to end up being a second-round pick because of some of these numbers and because he's not a very big guy at just 5'11". So with his length, with his lack of change of direction, with some teams having questions about him in coverage, you guys know I love myself some Nick Bolton. I think he's going to end up being a second-round pick because of some of the things that we saw at the Pro Day.
2: So I know that he is undersized as a linebacker in the NFL. That's been well, well-tread well territory. Did they th- – you are obviously a little disappointed in that, and that does sound not great. But like, are scouts really looking for an undersized linebacker to like magically be this explosive dynamo that can jump forever, um, or are they like, look, we we've seen you in action, we know that you can overcompensate for things, we still like you, or is this kind of like, no, you need to actually be good at this for us to draft you?
1: So it depends, right? There are certain teams that have thresholds. And this this also applies in recruiting, by the way. Uh, it, we're talking about it right now in the NFL draft, but I mean, I, I remember I always reference this interview, but Casey Woods had an interview that he did with Gabe Darmond and he talked about how like one of the things that they were doing throughout the pandemic is they would have the high school coaches measure the hand length, the arm length, the... Um, the shoulders, everything for these recruits, because they also look at that stuff. Like, there's there's a reason why they're doing this stuff. It's because over the years, they have put all of this, this information into a data set, and it has told them, hey, you have a, whatever, 20% chance of hitting on a player if he's an offensive tackle that has arms under 33 inches. It sounds silly when you hear a, a team that, you watched the tackle in college. You're like, he's really good. And the team says, yeah, but his arms are under 33 inches. We're not taking him as a tackle. You're like, but he was good. I watched him. He went up against really good talent in the sec. And they're like, yeah, but our thresholds don't, he doesn't meet them. The reason why they're saying that is because if they draft outliers consistently, eventually they're going to be proven wrong more often than not. So with Nick Bolton, the reason why I bring that up is because he's kind of an outlier in a lot of ways. Like, he shouldn't be as good as he is at his size with his explosiveness and with those change of direction speeds. So it's going to take a team that falls in love with him and says, I'll be damned with those thresholds. We think he's a really good football player. Just watch the tape. And I, I tend to agree with that uh, view of things for him in particular. Um, but it's, it's going to take somebody going against the grain because of some of the things that you see with his lack of length and his lack of explosiveness.
2: So pretty, pretty firmly in the round two. I think so. Right. Yeah. Now.
1: Unless okay. somebody cool. falls in love with him. It only takes one sure. team, man. It only takes sure. one team.
2: Yeah. So how did, uh, how did old Larry three sticks do in his, uh, in his oh, measurements?
1: Not good. Really? Um, Damn. another guy that had a really rough day. So he ran a four six, which is fine. That's kind of what you probably should have expected. He's not a guy that's going to light it up with long speed. But it's also a 30-inch broad jump, a 9-foot, or excuse me, 30-inch vertical, 9-foot broad jump. He was okay in the short shuttle and okay in the 3-cone. It Honestly, given the way that we've seen him play, it's kind of what I would have expected. He's not a super explosive, twitchy out, athlete. But it it confirmed a lot of fears for a lot of teams, I would imagine, with, with some of his numbers. I think he was already going to be a Day 3 guy round 2 four or five probably, I think that's probably firmly where he stands now.
2: Well, I've seen a lot of, of chatter about uh, Tyree Gillespie and obviously Josh Pledsoe, his his battery mate, was uh, a little bit more in pass coverage this this past season. But the two of them have been around for a long time. I have always kind of viewed Tyree Gillespie as having skills that the NFL covets a little bit oh, more. Yeah. How did, uh, how did those two stack up?
1: So while Nick Bolton had a bad day, Larry Roundtree had a uh, less than stellar day. Tyree Gillespie had a great day. He awesome. made himself some money. Um, he ran a 4-4 flat in the 40. He is super fast, which is no surprise to any Mizzou fans. You knew he was a fantastic athlete. He also jumped out of the gym with a near 10-foot broad jump. He had a 36-inch vertical. He was he he was basically really good in everything. he tested really really well. Um, I I think he's gonna make his way into the third round potentially conversation maybe if somebody falls in love mm-hmm. with him round two. Um, mm-hmm. he's a guy that we talked earlier about the um, s- some of the the skills and the talents that people will bet on right Gillespie has a lot of that. Where he doesn't have the ball production in college. He did not come up with a bunch of interceptions. He wasn't around the ball as often as you'd like to see him. But he does everything that NFL teams covet. He knows how to run the alley. He's a guy that is shown flashes in coverage. He can play deep. He can play a little bit in the box. He can do a little bit of everything. He is a versatile player on the back end. Tyree Gillespie has made himself money in this draft process. I bet you he ends up going day two, second, third round, something like that. Damn.
2: Cell probably going to go undrafted free agent route.
1: He could go. I I bet you he goes day three. People people are looking for nickel safety, um, versatile pieces on the back end. He wasn't able Mm -hmm. to perform in pro day because he was injured. Um, Still hurt from the uh, senior bowl. But I bet you he ends up going day three. Something sixth, seventh round. Something like that.
2: Nice. Well, it'll be really interesting to see. The draft's like... Isn't the draft in May this year, or something crazy like that? I
1: think it's late April, if I'm not mistaken. We okay. still got a few weeks though.
2: Yeah, a ways to go, but still. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see where they end up. Obviously, yeah,
1: April 29th is the first round.
2: There you go. I knew it was like super, super late, but uh, yeah, I, I always like the draft. It's crazy. I love watching Roger Goodell read names on my TV. Yeah but uh i don't know it's kind of like a it's like an unofficial graduation ceremony for like the the college football season we just got through you know um i like kind of seeing the recaps watching all the highlight films from these guys and going oh yeah that guy was awesome or i can't believe this guy got drafted it's it's fun you know and, and i hope that mizzou gets to participate in that conversation uh on the national level for at least a little bit had, like we got a couple guys who could
1: as a college football fan first what have you made of the conversation that has surrounded Mac Jones and Devontae Smith in particular? Uh, I don't know. Let me actually, I should ask this first, I guess. Have you seen the conversation that surrounds those two?
2: Uh, remind me. So remind
1: Devontae me. Smith is 170 pounds.
2: Yes. He's a little guy.
1: People don't like the fact that he's 170 pounds, and he might drop what? out of the top 10. Oh um, my God. Mac Jones is apparently the favorite to go number three overall now
2: huh okay um behind i'm assuming lawrence and fields right
1: no it sounds like fields might not go top five he might be the fifth quarterback taken in the show what 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 What? yeah zach wilson is is almost locked in the former byu quarterback is almost locked in as the number two overall pick mac jones three and it sounds like Trey Lance might be the fourth one, the former North Dakota State quarterback.
2: Oh, my sweet baby Jesus. Are you – okay. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Okay. I love Trey Lance. He's played one football game in two years. Um, now, we've seen what North Dakota State is, is without Trey Lance. They lose to Southern Illinois. But – um, <laughs> Okay, I'm still – wrapping my mind around this mac jones two no you said mac jones three three right? yeah lawrence one wilson two. Mm-hmm. Oh my god this is why i don't <laughs> watch the nfl okay zach wilson is a fantastic quarterback he's got an edge to him he's a little mobile he likes to make the big throw he's a little edge onto him especially for a mormon kid um but like you show me what he does better than Justin Fields. Uh, here, let me guess. Let me guess. <coughs> um, work
1: ethic. Am
2: I about right on that?
1: Um, let me. So let me see if I can pull this up from today. That's um, so.
2: My God, the NFL is so. Uh, so they are so risk averse. They become stupid. It's insane. Dan
1: Orlovsky wait. was on the Pat McAfee show earlier today he was talking about Justin Fields and he okay. said quote last guy in first guy out i've heard there are some questions with Justin Fields work ethic and where is his desire to be a great quarterback
2: <sighs> the desire to be a great quarterback is the wanting to play in the nfl Am I and wrong? oh by
1: the way Am I the only one that remembers that game against Clemson where he broke his ribs, came back into the game and dominated and sent his team to the national championship? Like, are we pretending that didn't just happen two months ago? Because I remember watching that game and being like, wow, Justin Fields is amazing. And that dude should be awesome.
2: Behind Vince Young Rose Bowl 05 in the entire Cam Newton Auburn campaign, that performance was one of the most impressive college quarterback performances i have ever seen with my own eyes and they're going to question his want (laughs) his drive like oh i am i am fighting really hard not to drop some words that are not family friendly here but guess what if you are head and shoulders better than any of your peers way better than any other quarterback in the league guess what you get to be the first one <laughs> the first one out and the last one in you don't need to put in the work you got it you already got it okay i understand that you gotta grind you gotta watch the tape you gotta know everything in the nfl work okay cool guess what he's gonna do when he gets paid he's probably gonna do that i don't care what georgia is telling them because i kind of feel like that's kirby in people's oh words. it's
1: gotta be right
2: yeah like he, i know that's a well-connected dude i don't care kirby okay i've seen that guy play for two <laughs> years two years he made that ohio state team so much better than what it was you've got to be freaking kidding me that was the one of the better offenses we ever seen because it was justin fields <sighs> okay okay that's fine that's fine i i some team is going – the Jets are going to requ- are going to draft Zach Wilson and they're going to kick their own butts as hard as they can that they didn't take whoever they didn't take. But as far as Mac Jones goes, you and I have talked about this. He was the worst player on that Alabama offense. Yeah. That's not saying he was bad. He was very, very good. But you and I would look good with the weapons that Alabama is able to put on the field in that offensive scheme, like just flat out. So it goes it goes back to what you're talking about, with like short shuttles and the jumps and like the reads and, you know, throwing to people in their underwear on seven on seven. Like if you like what you're seeing, that's fine. I want to take his game tape um, at, you know, 100, 100 percent, you know, full interpretation of what he can do. You know, throw him on Missouri and see what he does. um But yeah, he he did really well. uh He he acclimated to the Sark system. He utilized his weapons really well, and they executed for every game that he started. So, I think he's really good. He's a very efficient passer. He's got a very high success rate, which means he makes good decisions. But he also had Devontae Adams and like all these five-star receivers to throw to. So like. Okay, that's fine.
1: Yeah, that's I, fine. I was super surprised to see him going like if you would have told any college football fan last year that Justin Fields was going to end up as the fifth quarterback behind Mac Jones and behind Zach Wilson and potentially behind Trey Lance I mean, most of them would have been like, wait, wh- why? What are you? What are you doing, NFL? Like this is silly. And so I, I'm glad that you had the reaction that I I assumed that most college football fans would have. And oh, by the way, the guy that won the Heisman at a buck seventy, Devonte Smith. Like the fact that the NFL is overthinking things with him is both not surprising and also pretty disappointing. Because that guy's gonna be good. I don't care if he's yeah. 170 pounds. I do not care. He's gonna be really, really good. I just saw him do it against NFL caliber. Defensive backs in the SEC. There, I have no right? reason to believe he won't do it again next year.
2: Right? Rondale Moore, 5'9, 181. Put him on my, put him on any team.
1: 5'7. 5'7? <laughs> he measured in at 5'7.
2: I don't care. <laughs> that is the most electric football player I've seen in quite some time. I will never I would,
1: forget I... watching him against Mizzou. Never. I will never oh, forget that night. God, just. Mm. That was so Dude's infuriating.
2: Talented. Dude's talented. I would I would pick him for any athletic endeavor. any. and I would feel good about my chances. Basketball included. So, um, oh my god. Again, it's a very risk averse business. I understand that. You got to you can't go without outliers. You're absolutely right. But come on. Come on. This is why I, it's no fun cuz you picked you picked the safe picks that just are so boring oh my god guarantee you that trevor lawrence by the way never lifted a freaking weight in his time on clipson guarantee (laughs) it guarantee it
1: um so we've got long on this so let's let's punt on the conversation that we were gonna have here can i ask you a follow-up question on this instead
2: sure i'm all ears
1: who do you think is going to be, like, for next year's Mizzou team, if we eliminate the guys that have graduated, so Nick Bolton is not in this conversation, Uh, Larry Roundtree not in this conversation, Gillespie, those guys are out. Who do you think is the best pro on Mizzou's current roster, the roster that just went through spring ball?
2: Damn, that's a good question. Um, My, my first thought goes to Mookie Cooper. That's cheating because he's the most highest rated <laughs> player that we have on our team from – From a recruiting standpoint, Um, I think Daniel Parker Jr. could cut out a pretty good niche in the in the NFL. I bet. I bet that he would have a pretty decent career. Um, Best pro. uh, Outside of that. Yeah. But like Jeff Coat. You know the NFL, you know they love their situational packages. Like, is he gonna be, be a pass rushing in that comes in on third down? Or Probably. is he gonna be able to carve out like a every down kind of guy? I don't I don't think
1: know. so. He's too small.
2: Yeah, 6'3", 265. I don't not not really going to. Um Connor Baselak is just ripe for the uh Chase Daniel oh, yeah. uh, Memorial uh backup quarterback who makes twenty million dollars and does nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Which, by the way, shout out to Blaine Gabbert. Got married over the weekend. Chase Daniel was there. I Um, saw that. He and Becca Mills. Becca Mills was my favorite women's basketball player back in the day. Um, I'm so happy that those two uh, very athletic, pretty people get to go ahead and make very athletic, pretty babies. (laughs) I hope they go to Mizzou. Um, I don't know. What do you think about Case Cook?
1: I don't know if he's athletic enough at the next level. Yeah, I like Case Cook, um, but this is going back to you, you. know who's one that's kind of under the radar, sneaky, interesting here.
2: Hmm. Who's that?
1: Luke Griffin. <laughs> I don't, I, I don't know. Why? But <laughs> man, Mazoo loves him, and he's got the size. He's really big, and I, I think he's got a real shot to start this year. Um, he is super young and for a guy that is that young who came in last year and actually got some playing time and looked pretty good when he was out there, I, I think it's in play that he ends up being really good as a guard. Um, so I'll, I'll throw him out there as a sleeper for this. I really liked your answer on Daniel Parker Jr. I think you're right. I think Daniel Parker mm-hmm. Jr. is going to carve out a really nice role for himself in the NFL. I think it's gonna be so. I would not have anticipated this being the case, but Sean Colkin has actually made a really nice career out of being a yeah. blocking tight end. He's still yeah. in the league now. Um, is he really? Oh yeah, he's still to this day in the league. Damn. I think Daniel Parker Jr. is like a better version of Sean Colkin. Like what he—that's that. what he'll yeah. be in the NFL. Yeah. Um, and then the guy that I always talk about—that if you just look at the raw projection. Darius Robinson looks like an NFL football player God, yeah he yeah. looks like he should be in the NFL I don't know mm. if he's ever gonna make it click where he has the production that draws the attention of scouts but when Mizzou gets off of the bus Darius Robinson is the person that I would look at and be like that dude's an NFL player I don't know anything about him but that dude's gonna be an <laughs> NFL player <laughs>
2: I mean, the staff obviously feels the same. They gave him the number six. Hmm. You don't get single-digit numbers as a lineman just you know, by by rolling into rolling on the campus as a freshman. So 6'6", uh, 295. You know, um, in the in the Zoom meetings over the summer, this past summer, I should say, um, Eli Drinkwitz could not stop talking about how chiseled Kobe Whiteside was. <laughs> and like, he looked like a Greek god. Darius Robinson looks like a Titan. Okay. (laughs) Like he could eat Kobe white side. Um, just a giant dude. And God, yeah, he's, Oh, I hope he puts it together this year or at least gets the shot too. Because yeah, I'm with you. When he was in, he was so disruptive. Not, not like stat stuff in the stat sheet, but like just making it easier for everybody else. I'd love to see him. Yeah. Not only produce here, but produce at the NFL as well.
1: Yeah, I, I just, I can't get it out of my mind that that dude's going to be an NFL player. And so if I think that, I got to believe that at some point he's going to put it together. Uh, the, the other thing, I mean, if you just look at like last year's recruiting class, Jadarius Perkins, their Juco cornerback, mm-hmm. he he's somebody to look at as well. Just because he's got the length that NFL teams right now are looking for. So I, I think maybe you throw him onto that list as well.
2: We've talked about Missouri's NFL tradition at the mm-hmm. corner spot. It's not great, but yep. there's a lot of young guys who, yeah, have the new kind of prototypical corner size. Um, so, yeah, we'll, we'll see. Missouri's
1: going to end up being tied into you again, aren't they?
2: God, I hope so. That was my favorite. That was my absolute favorite.
1: Because he had Sean Colkin, and it's not like this. It's not the same. Although NFL success-wise, kind of, honestly, uh, Sean Colkin, I think Daniel Parker Jr. is going to make it in the league. And Ryan Horsecamp, my guy, he's got a shot. <laughs> That's he, right. How can we forget shot. about him? Oh my god!
2: Yeah, <laughs> already projected to the NFL. Good luck. Haven't kid. seen
1: him play a down in college. I have no idea where he's at on the depth chart right now. I would imagine no better than fourth. But God, that guy is going to be a future NFL player.
2: Has to be. Has to be. <laughs> got the BK stamp of approval. That's man. right. Yeah, well, yeah, we'll uh, we'll we'll cut it there. I mean, it's been kind of quiet. Obviously, basketball has been sucking up most of the oxygen. But hey, we still gave you about an hour of a show, so you're welcome, listeners. It's it's on the house. You don't have to pay us if you want to. <laughs> that's fine. But uh, you know, we we we'll give it to you anyway. But uh, yeah, any last uh, parting thoughts, BK? I
1: don't think so, man. Um, I. It's nice for Mizzou to officially be in the offseason. I've been seeing some other teams that are currently going through some spring ball stuff. For them to be like just completely done with this is kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what the next few weeks bring when it comes to recruiting. I know this was a quiet week, but I don't expect it to stay that way for a whole lot longer. I think as we get closer and closer to the summer, you're going to see st- more of these guys, especially in-state, whether it be to Mizzou or elsewhere, they're going to start kind of announcing their commitments. So we're going to have plenty to talk about over the next few weeks as well.
2: Absolutely. Yeah, that's the show for today. Uh, as always, we appreciate the downloads and the subscriptions. We also love all types of feedback. So go ahead and leave us a comment or rate us. We love that. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter. I'm at NateG Edwards. He is at BK Sports Talk. You can listen to him on 101 ESPN 10 to 2. Uh, of course, you can follow the Rockin' Flagship at Rockin' Nation. Uh, we appreciate you tuning in this time. We'll try to do better next time. And until then, see
0: you later.